Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. The Resurrection and the Glad Surprise from Meditations to the Heart in Howard Thurman. There is ever something compelling and exhilarating about the glad surprise. The emphasis is upon glad. There are surprises that are shocking, startling, frightening, bewildering, but the glad surprise is something different from all these. It carries with it the element of elation, of life, of something over and beyond the surprise itself. The experience itself comes on many levels. The simple joy that comes when one discovers that the balance in the bank is larger than the personal record indicated and there are no errors in the accounting. The realization that one does not have to have, yeah, the realization that, (laughs) I don't think you can practice that one too many times. (laughs) The realization that one does not have this door key at the late hour and everyone is asleep, but someone thoughtfully left the latch off just in case. The dreaded meeting in a conference to work out the problems of misunderstandings and things are adjusted without the emotional lacerations anticipated. The report from the doctor's examination that all is well, when one was sure that the physical nature and the picture was very serious indeed. All these are the surprises of the glad. There's a deeper meaning in the concept of the glad surprise. This meaning has to do with the very ground and foundation upon the nature of life itself. The manifestation of this quality in the world about us can best be witnessed in the coming of spring. It's ever a new thing, a glad surprise, the stirring of life at the end of winter. One day there seems to be no sign of life. And then almost overnight, swelling beads and delicate blooms and blades of grass and bugs and insects and an entire world of newness everywhere. It's the glad surprise at the end of winter. Often the same experience comes at the end of a long tunnel of tragedy and tribulation. It's as if a man stumbling in the darkness, having lost his way, finds that the spot that he is at falls in the foot of the stairway that leads from darkness to light. Such is the glad surprise. This is what Easter means in the experience of the race. This is the resurrection. It is the announcement that life cannot ultimately be conquered by death, that there is no road that is at last swallowed up in the ultimate darkness, that there is strength added when the laborers increase, that multiplied peace matches multiplied trials, and that life is bottomed by the glad surprise. Take courage, therefore, when we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, The divine's full giving is only just begun. I want to talk a a little bit more about this idea of the glad surprise. And I think where I want to start is talking about avocados. I know, you'll probably have to bear with me. I'm like that some days. If you're like me, you go to the supermarket and you're really imagining that tasty BLT with avocado on it, or you're imagining that glorious salad, maybe with the shrimp and the avocado. You probably have, if you like avocados, a couple favorite ideas of how you might use an avocado. And so you get to the store, and my experience is, at the store, avocados come two ways. (laughs) 
like rocks or overblown already, right? Isn't that your experience too? And so, of course, you look at the messy ones and there's no way those are going to come home. And so you look and you try to figure out the, the least hard looking and you, you don't really want to squeeze them too much because you know every place you squeeze, right? It's going to be bruised. It's going to be a mess. And so it's almost kind of like a wishful, hopeful game. Like, well, all right, we'll try this one. And you take it home and it sits on the counter and it sits on the counter and day three, you nervously feel it a little bit and it's still as hard as rocks. And you're thinking, what the heck? And you're still kind of envisioning this lovely meal you're going to make with it, but like, when? (laughs) Right? Then one day, the glad surprise. And again, if we don't keep aware, what happens? If we let it sit there and don't notice it for a couple days, the surprise isn't so glad anymore, (laughs) is it? So the idea of things being at the right time, the idea of the auspicious moment, the idea that there's something being born in you whose time is right and whose time must be seized. Now you might say, well, why is it a surprise? Howard Thurman, um, as amazing as he is, surely knows that spring comes every year. So why would that be a surprise? Well, if you're like me here in Oregon, isn't it a surprise? (laughs) Wasn't yesterday a surprise? I mean, we knew Easter, we knew that spring was coming. We, We knew, of course, that we'll have a glorious summer, and yet day after day of sameness and gray and too much rain, and and suddenly it's the great and grand and glorious surprise of spring, the glad surprise. Now, one thing I know about science of mind, we can actually orchestrate the glad surprise. And so I want to spend the rest of my time talking about that. We don't have to just wait for it, hoping that the avocado, right? We can actually do a little bit of meal planning with our lives because we understand where the glad surprise comes from. And I want to do a, a quote. You know, you know, we're honoring the, uh, the resurrection of, uh, of Jesus today. And I would like for our kind of lesson, if you will, a quote from Matthew. And so this is one of Jesus' parables. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through. So to begin with, the leaven is like the avocado, Right? You have a dream, you want to make that bizarrely good sandwich, you want to see that salad, you have a vision, but you got the hardest rock avocado. Let me read this again. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through. The bad news is there's a little participation involved in our dreams and our hopes. It's not enough just to have the idea. It's not enough just to have the plan. So back sillily to avocados for a minute, and then we'll get on to something a little better. So one person said, put it in the refrigerator. 
Within about 24 hours, ripe as can be. Well, I didn't actually have that luck. I'll, I'll share with you. It kind of went from hard as a rock to slimy as a slimy rock. And so that one didn't work for me. Maybe my refrigerator is the wrong temperature. Another person said, paper bag and a banana. Put it, oh, some of you are nodding. All right, I'm not the only one that tried that one. So paper bag and a banana. I got to tell you, what happened was within about four hours, it went from not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, to, oh, holy heck, way too far. And so that one actually worked too fast for me. I, overnight, the avocado gone. What I know, though, again, is we can find a plan that works right for us that will bring the glad surprise. I'm going to use one, one bigger example here, and, uh, and then we'll get on with the rest of our beautiful service today and some more music. And my example is, uh, many of you know that I worked for the telephone company for a number of years, but I don't know that I ever managed to tell you the story of, uh, of kind of my early career. So, University of Oregon, and I uh, graduated uh, in theater arts English and with teaching credentials. And in 1978, Oh, I was ready to take on the world as a high school teacher. <clears throat> well, if you'll remember in 1978, what the world didn't need then was another teacher. The baby boomers had already processed through the education system, and they were closing down schools right and left. All of those temporary classrooms that they had put up, they were mothballing. There was not a job to be had in the state of Oregon. My option was do something else, or there were some job opportunities in Australia and New Zealand. <laughs> Maybe I could have done something different, I don't know. But I went to work for the telephone company, and I have to tell you, I was in the most mind-numbingly entry, boring, minimum wage job that you could possibly imagine. Literally, in a sea of 100 people, our jobs were to go over to one machine, it was called a teletype machine, and it chugged away all day long, shooting up these little forms, and you would rip one off, and you would go back over to another machine, <laughs> and you would sit down, and you would type it in again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Picture me after eight hours on my first day. Yeah. Then multiply that by six months, and I was mind-numbingly hating that job. But I had a dream. Like the story of the leaven from the Bible, I had an idea of something that would rise a little more, like the yeast in the bread. I had an idea of a better way in the world, and it started one day at lunch hour. I went for a walk. I was in downtown Portland in the Oak Street building of the telephone company there. I walked up to the part blocks, and there, in a, in a lovely enclosed little garden, were the employees of Blue Cross having their luncheon out there. And I'm kind of, have you ever been in a position of kind of looking in the window and wishing you were doing something else? So I'm, I'm looking into their little garden and oh, they were dressed nice and they were having such a sweet time and they were talking about their jobs and they were talking about the pay and they were talking about their good, well, it was Blue Cross, so good health care benefits, of course, but, but they were talking about all that and that was like leaven in me. 
And I knew that that was where I was going to get my next job. And you know what I did? I started actually investigating it. A couple more uh, uh, days later, I went up there again and got some employment information from their office. And I began to visualize myself working and having lunch in that little enclosed garden. I began picturing myself on that better pay scale. I began thinking of myself actually kind of being that. And I learned, uh, among other things, that I probably wouldn't get a job there because I was... Well, underqual I mean, maybe overqualified in some ways with my degree, but underqualified for that particular job. I needed some office skills that I didn't have. And so I went out, and I got those office skills. I, in the evenings, as I finished up one job, I was in improving, doing some database skills, some minor programming things, and other things that I knew that Blue Cross wanted. I was planning. I was working that leaven through the whole bread, not just keeping it in my head as a wishful idea, but actually working towards it, knowing what I needed, knowing what I wanted to do, planning for the future. Well, let's fast forward about six months, and I'll tell you, I was in a new job. It wasn't at Blue Cross. The telephone company noticed that I was becoming a different person. They noticed that I had more skills. They noticed that I wanted something that would be an improvement, and they promoted me. And incidentally, they promoted me, guess where? Up to the park blocks, and from my shared office, I looked right down <laughs> into that sweet little courtyard, and come to find out it was a shared courtyard. We got to use it, so I was having my lunch, <laughs> with the Blue Cross employees, and in many ways, many ways, a dream that I couldn't have predicted how it was going to happen, or even quite what it would look like, the glad surprise. But it took more than the idea. First of all, it took a willingness that it might not outplay exactly like I wanted, right? When I first applied at Blue Cross and they rejected me because my skills weren't with what they should be, right? That could have been the signal for me just to sit back down and go, all right, I guess I'm here doing this crazy order entry stuff, you know, back to the teletype machine, back to the order entry machine. I guess, I guess this is as good as it gets. But I did not do that. Instead, I began infusing my dream like the leaven throughout the whole life. I found out what I needed to excel. I found out about employment opportunities. I improved myself. I, in a way, I became that person that I imagined they would want to hire because that, of course, is part of the dream. And so today, I'm going to invite each one of us to put leaven fully through our lives. So, so we celebrate the, uh, the resurrection today, right? That's the whole plan here. And what I know is that something can be resurrected in you. Whether it's an old dream that you put on the shelf, whether it's the deepening of a relationship that would make all the difference to you, whether it's in improved working conditions or whether it's a family life that you want to see more intimacy in, what I know is... That leaven exists, and as you begin mixing it into your life, when it becomes more than a dream, when it becomes a plan, when it becomes your, your heart really yearning and, and willing to receive that good, it is only God's good pleasure to give you the keys of the kingdom. 
Jesus talked about this being heaven. He starts out, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. We don't need to wait until we pass on. This isn't a physical resurrection in us. It is a spiritual one. And so I've given you each a a little candle today, and and it's yours to take home and and put on your altar. It's yours to to have and enjoy. Uh, But for the next few minutes, I'd like you to begin thinking of it as the representation of the new light being born in you, of your own resurrection, of new health, of a new job, of a, a deeper relationship, of, uh, of maybe a, a family situation that is repaired. Whatever would be that new leaven in you, I ask you to begin thinking of it in terms of this light. And we're going to have a little ceremony at the end of the service uh, to enjoy that. But for now, I'm going to do a prayer. There is one power, one presence, one life, and one goodness. I know that God plans for us, literally plans for us, to have our good. God is here in infinite supply, infinite love, infinite life, infinite security, infinite joy, infinite peace. All of that is here for us to experience as we can accept it. It is the nature of God to be that giver. And so I know that means me. I know that my life can access that love. My life has the capability of that great joy, of that peace. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person in this room. Each person here, as we illuminate our own lives, as we claim that rebirth, as we claim the ability to be and to do exactly as we choose, as we leaven our lives with goodness, God responds. And for this, I'm grateful. For this, I recognize in myself and in the people in this room a rebirth. That ability to be and to do our heart's desire. A rebirth in in mind, a rebirth in body, a rebirth in the affairs of our lives. And for this, for this, I give great thanks. I let it be, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. Happy Easter, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.